This is the 5am Hustle Podcast. Get ready to learn about entrepreneurship and self-help in the new era. I'm your host, Jack Considine. And I'm Namish Kaista. Let's go. Welcome back, hustlers, to the 5 a.m. Hustle Podcast. I'm Jack. And I'm Namish. And today, we have the pleasure of talking to Anthony Cheem. Now, Anthony, I can't do your story justice. So real quick, give the listeners a little bit of context on kind of what your story is and who you are. Well, I'm a life coach, speaker, and author. I'm a personal trainer as well. Um, I'm a musician, singer, songwriter. I'm involved in many different avenues of life, and I'm I'm of the belief that if you want something, uh, you're never given a wish without the same tools and strategies or the power to make that wish come true. And I didn't come to that just overnight. It came through lots of struggles, lots of suffering, lots of pain, a lot of angst, a lot of failure, quite frankly. And, you know, my, my journey started just like most people, they, they struggle in strife and, and pain. And you go through all these struggles in your life as a youth and rejection and betrayal and failure. And you have all these great and grand, grandiose ideas, but then you realize you walk around, you, you start to realize that there are snipers on every roof and you're, and you're out there. Everyone's out there to kill you. And then you start to get the cynical idea about the world. And that really started for me in my, in my teens when my best friend was killed in a car accident um, when he was 16 and I woke up and I got a call from his sister and um, at 6am in the morning, got a phone call and, and I answered the phone and said, hello. And then it was, it was his sister. And he said, you know, Sheldon got in a car accident and, I jumped out of bed and I was like, wow, where is he? And he said, no, he's dead on impact riding his bike. And it just floored me. And I never had had that experience before. And then a year later, I actually haven't gone through that. I went through some emotional trauma and just trying to figure out, my gosh, I'm 16 years old. I don't know what I want to do. I mean, I was young at the time. I didn't, I didn't know what I was doing. And then I got into bad, some bad stuff with, with drugs and hanging around the wrong people. And, and, um, when you go through that sort of thing, you go through sort of zigs and zags throughout your, throughout your journey. And then about a year later, my parents got in a big car accident where they almost were killed. My, my father was out of work for six months and their mom had a, suffered a stroke as a result of that. Luckily, it wasn't a major stroke, but um, I'm the youngest of four children and I probably had the best relationship with my mother out of all the four children because I was the youngest. I was the baby, right? And I, I, that really hit me hard. And so for that whole year, I, I really struggled. And then I got, as I said, I, I started getting with the bad crowds. Um, and I, and I got charged with uttering a death threat. And that's one of the most humiliating experiences that you could ever experience because that wasn't me. I know deep down in my core, that wasn't me. And it was, I had a lot of anger, had a lot of feelings of uh, my self-worth was at its, at its low. Uh, I didn't feel like I was worthy of anything. I was failing in pretty much every area of my life. Um, I was wearing a mask and I didn't like who, who, I, who I was becoming. And um, so I went through that journey. And then I finally, I found fitness. I used fitness as a result to, to empower myself, to feel better with myself. I, I channeled that anger towards weight training and working out and getting myself as buffed as humanly possible. And I got heavily into bodybuilding, heavily into stuff like that, powerlifting. And I just started going hard at that. I channel all that anger into the gym. And I slowly started, my body started to transform, started to transform my mind. And then I went to college for fitness and health. And then after that, I became a personal trainer. 
And then at age 24, my, my father died of cancer. And that went, took me through a big whirlwind as well. And, um, uh, you know, at the time, I, my now wife, we were dating in high school. It was pretty crazy. We broke up a number of times. And it, was, it was all because of me. And I, I fully I take responsibility for all the mistakes that I made uh, with regards to that. But she was one of these women in your life, one of these people in your life. Every, and I believe everyone needs a person like that who, who, that, who sticks by you when you when you know, a true friend is one who walks in when the rest of the world walks out. And she was more than just that. She was there for me, loyal. She believed in me when no one else did. And even her family was saying, why are you with this guy? <laughs> He's treating you horribly. And so I wasn't, I wasn't who I am today. wasn't the guy who I was 20, 25 years ago. I was not nowhere near close who I am today. And so then my father passed away and then I went through another journey as well. And, um, I got to a point where I was literally on my knees going, I, I need, I need something. I would look in the mirror one day and I remember just looking in the mirror, just looking at myself and saying, I don't like who I am. I don't know where I'm going, but I need help here. And something happens when you're real, when you, when you get down and dirty and you admit that it's like the alcoholic that shows up at an AA meeting and finally says, my name is so-and-so I'm an alcoholic. When they finally center in on what the real problem is, and then you realize that you need help. That is, that's when doors open. It's when it, the worst thing to think is that you think that you can get yourself out of this hole without any help. And as Zig Ziglar talked about, has, you see a turtle on, on, a, on a fence post, you've got to be damn sure that turtle didn't get up there by himself. So anyone that you see that's on the mountain type of success or any level of success, let me tell you, they did not get up there by themselves. And I can, I'm, I'm no exception. Like, let me tell you, I've had much, many help, many people help me in the form of mentors, people that I read, authors, speakers, people I took out, people that were successful that I wanted to interview on the phone or take them out to lunch. Those people helped me. And I, have, I still have that guiding principle of, of, of getting mentors, hanging around people that are more successful than me. And then, so when I took that journey, it was interesting. Um, I met a mentor who, who I still know today, who I still talk to today once in a while, but he got me started. And he introduced me to a network marketing business. And I wasn't really interested in the business so much as the environment and the energy. And I started going attending these seminars. I started reading and I said to him, what do I got to do to, to ch turn my life around, to change and transform my life? And he said, and I remember him saying this to me. This is what he said. And I, I remember this. I tell this to all my clients. I tell this to all, I'll even tell this to my kids. I'll tell this to random people on the street. Where you will be in two years will depend on four things. What you read, what you listen to, what you watch, and who you hang around. And I would add a fifth one, it's meditating. <laughs> Meditation, prayer, contemplation, whatever form of that you want to take. But who you, I, so I said, what do I got to do first? What do I got to read? And he said, he gave me like 10 books of his favorite books. And I just started, I started tearing into those books, reading them over, dog-earing them, highlighting them. And slowly I started to transform. I said, what do I got to listen to? And then he gave me a bunch of audios. Back then it was CDs, right? You don't have that today. But it was CDs. And I would just listen, use my, use my car as a university on wheels. And I would just pump my brain with as much positive information as I humanly possibly could. And then I started attending massive seminars, going to seminar after seminar. I don't care where it was. I don't care how much it costs. I got in debt because of it. And I just, I don't, couldn't care less. I needed to transform my life. And slowly, as you feed your mind through books, through audios, through seminars, through mentorship, through hanging around people that are better than you, more successful than you, one of the things I learned was I was very uncomfortable hanging around people that were better than me because your ego tells you this person's better than me. You shouldn't hang around them. You should hang around people that are worse than you. But that's, that's, that's the worst thing you can do. You don't want to be the big dog in your yard 
if you're only at level one, yeah, you're the big dog at level one. But as soon as you get to level two in a, in a bigger yard, you're no longer, longer the big dog, dog. But let me tell you something. If you're at level one in the big, you're the big dog in the, in, in the smaller yard, you won't grow. You'll never be challenged by a bigger dog to grow, to get, get stronger mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually. And so that's what I did. I started hanging on people that were so much more adroit and wise in business, in, in spiritual terms, in, in psychology and philosophy. So I went on this massive journey. Like literally, I started reading about, it started off with success books, like books like Think and Grow Rich and all these books by Tony Robbins, all these, all these people. And then I got into philosophy and spirituality. And then I started really getting confused because they all were saying one thing. But then there was a point in my life where I started to kind of integrate all of them where they all met, they were all sort of saying the same thing, but in a different way. And so I started writing books myself. I became a life coach. I got certified, all these things. And then I started speaking in front of audiences like schools and small businesses. And it just started massively transforming. And I, until this day, I, I still listen to audios in my car. Until this day, I still read. I listen to audiobooks. I get up at 3.30 in the morning. You guys talk about the 5 a.m. hustle. I get up at 3.15, 3.30 in the morning, and I'm right away meditating right away an hour of meditation and i go downstairs hit my gym hard weight training i do this flow with seven minute flow thing and i do muscle i do my cardio do my weights and i end with some tai chi and yoga breathing and by that time i am chimed in i'm supercharged like anthony 10.0 is turned on and i'm ready to serve my clients ready to kick some butt whatever it takes to, 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 to claim my power clarify my purpose and cultivate my deepest widest and highest passions possible and that's who i am today but that's not a function of just me just waking up one day. It was a function of all those four things I just covered. And then eventually where I am today, I mean, um, you know, I built a pretty successful, you know, speaking and life coaching business. And now I'm sort of mentoring also other life coaches to be better life coaches. And, and that's sort of where I am right now as well. I still do a lot of my life coaching and my training and, and speaking and, and books and, and, and doing stuff like this and, and interviews, radio, television, stuff like that. And I just want to go out and massively, my whole purpose right now where I am today is to massively transform people's lives. Whomever you are out there, I, I, I don't really care what I get in return. The return is me giving to you. That's, that's, that's the idea. I, I get everything from giving to you and your audience. Um, the more people that can listen to this stuff and get something from what I'm saying in my story. And heck, heck. You might not get something from my story. You might not resonate with me. You might actually say, this guy's too crazy, too energetic, and that's totally fine. The key is that you go out and actually find a mentor, find something that resonates with you so that it, it, so it literally sparks something in your heart so you then take the journey to transformation and self-transcendence and self-actualization so you can live out your purpose and claim your power. So, And so that that's sort of my sort of five-minute sort of, story about where I am today. Um, also a couple years ago, my mother passed away. Um, this is part of my story too. I believe this is my foundational, one of my foundational beliefs. I believe if you've got big Dharma, if you've got big dreams, if you've got big goals, if you've got a big purpose, you're going to run into big problems. That, that's just the deal. I don't care what it is. If you've got a big dream to you know, make a $10 billion or you have a dream to become the next Mother Teresa or next Nelson Mandela or Gandhi or you're here to feed children in Africa. I don't really know what it is, but if you're, if you're going to come across big dreams, you're going to come across big problems. And so I'm not really surprised by big problems when they show up because I know they're making something bigger out of me. How are muscles formed? By pushing against extraordinary amounts of weight. How are, my mentor used to say, how are diamonds formed? They're not shaped through through softness and cold they're shaped through 
pressure and heat. And that's why they're the most important stone, one of the most expensive and silent stones out there because they're formed through pressure and heat. And so is every person on this planet. If you are going to be shaped, it's not going to be all fun and easy in, in games. It's going to be tough times. So you're going to be faced with struggles. And that's part of my, my teaching to people out there is to help them realize once you have a big dream, be prepared. There's going to be big struggles. There's going to be. And then two years ago, I had a pretty big struggle where I found my mom uh, laying on her front front uh, foyer of her home, barely breathing. So I had to, I literally found my mom dying on the floor, and I had to I had to perform CPR on my mother. And let me tell you something: uh, if you have a strong relationship with your mom, you love your mom, you love your parents. It's like one of the hardest things I've ever had to do. But and I would not wish that experience on even on my worst enemy. And but let me tell you something: have I grown? Oh my gosh! Let me tell you: like, I've grown in patience. I've grown in appreciation. I've grown with appreciating the moment for what it is. I've grown in the love for my kids like I've never had before. I wouldn't have extracted that unless I went through some struggle like that. And you know what? Life's going to throw me on some other lemons too, but I'll just, I'll find a way to turn into lemonades and um, adversity into an advantage, a calamity and an opportunity, a struggle into a strength builder. And that's, that's what I've, I've done. Now that doesn't mean for me myself, I don't have down times where I feel down. I'm human. But I, I, the difference is the time through which I actually feel the form of downness or emotional duress and the time I make a shift is quicker. So I'm a lot more wiser. But I allow myself to feel the emotions. It's also a telltale sign that you could be exhausted because I push hard. I mean, I'm getting up at 3.15, 3.30 in the morning. I'm going out hard all day. Naturally, I'm going to be exhausted. And, and again, that's just – that's you, you pay to play. And my mentor used to say, Anthony – what does it cost? Pay it. What is it you want? What does it cost? Pay it. I'm like, all right, this is what I want. You pay it then. And you go hard at it. And um, that's basically what I've learned. And where I am today is, is, again, as I reiterate, is just sharing these principles, these ideas, these insights uh, with people in the form of quotes, in the form of my life experience, in the form of helping people one-on-one or podcast platforms like this. So Hopefully that gives you guys a, a broad overview of my life and where I am and what my philosophy is. Yeah, awesome. for sure. I just wanted to say thank you again so much for coming on and telling your story. I know you do this obviously for so many other people, but yeah. it definitely can't be something that's easy, of course, and you talk about the grind all the time. Um, yeah. I just finished Alan Watts's book. Um, I think it's called The... Hmm, I'm trying to find it right now. Huh, the Wisdom of um, Insecurity. A message anxiety. Yeah. And so he talked a lot about, um, uh, he talked about it in a religious sense, but then he also talked about it in a spiritual sense. And he talked about how throughout all the religions and all of like any scripture, it's written like you need to lose God before you can find him. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like he related it back to the general sense of spirituality. And he was like, you need to lose yourself in order to truly find yourself. Um, I think yeah. you really embody that spirit. Um, something you just talked about earlier that I was really curious about, and um, yeah, sure. I want to pick your brain a little bit. Um, yeah. You talked a lot about failure, um, and something that I have, I'm, I'm pretty good at. I feel like is that I'm pretty good at analyzing my failures and being like, "All right, let's move on." Um, but it's something that I've struggled with in the past and a little bit now, and I'm sure a lot of other people struggle with, is the difference between analyzing and moving on, and mm. like being stuck in the past. Um, yes. and reliving that moment over and over again. So how do you yeah. deal with that? Well, here's the thing. It, it's, it's one of those things that failure is necessary. 
like it's like Thomas Edison, the story of Thomas Edison, failing 10,000 times to make a light bulb. He was asked, how did you feel with failing 10,000 times? He said, no, I didn't fail 10,000 times. I found out 10,000 ways how to not make a light bulb. So it's, it's a reframing of what failure is. And as even Zig Ziglar talks about how there's failures. Failure is not a person. It's an event that at the end of the day, failure actually gives you an education that when you, when you make a mistake, it actually in that it's not meant for you to beat yourself up. It's actually, you know, you don't fail. You don't drown by falling in water. You drown by staying there. You don't, you don't, you don't, you don't stay, you don't fall, fail by falling on the ground. You fail by staying on the ground. As that old quote says, you know, success is falling 10 times and getting up 11. Six, it's also means failure is falling a thousand times and getting up a thousand and one times. Mm-hmm. So the, the key for me is, 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 is extracting the lesson, extracting the lesson from the well of your failure or whatever mistake you made. And l- let me tell you something. I failed probably, oh my gosh, so many times. And I, I would swim in my guilt over how many mistakes I made. But one thing that I realized more than anything, the moment I fail, I would actually say thank you for that failure because I know within those failures, I'm learning more from my failures than I do from my successes. And as Tony Robbins says, you, when, you're, when you're failing, you tend to ponder. When, you, when, you, when you're succeeding, you tend to party. Right? So when you fail, you're like, oh, my God, you tend to ponder on the, on the failure. When you're succeeding, you tend to party too much. So you're not learning a lot when you're succeeding. It's, you know, you probably watched The Last Dance with Michael Jordan. Yeah. And yeah. I, Amazing story. If you remember that one commercial that he had when he was like, I've missed this many shots in my lifetime. I've done this and I've failed this many times. Da, da, da. I failed, I failed, I failed. And that is why I succeed. That reminds me, um, I'm sorry, I'm just staring at a quote right yeah. now. On my yeah. um, there's a religious leader, I'm Hindu, and um, there's a religious leader that I just see on like YouTube occasionally. Um, yeah. And something that he said is he started off and he said a joke once. Everybody laughs. He says it again less people laugh. He says yeah. the third time, even less people laugh. And he says it again and like nobody laughs. And he's yeah. like, we don't laugh at the same jokes, but we cry at the same problems. Yes. Um, and that's something Very that good. I look at all the time. That is incredible. That is absolutely incredible. And I, I actually do something in some of my seminars and I'll do this with schools. I love the reaction. I'll put on the board, I'll write it on a chalkboard or whatever. I'll say put one plus one equals two. And I'll look at the audience and people will just kind of go, and I'll go one plus one equals two. And I'll look at the audience. I'll pause. And I'll go one plus one equals three. And everyone puts up their hand. And I'll say, congratulations. You've just proven you focus on all the wrong people do rather than the right people do. Wow. And it's unbelievable because everyone puts it, oh, you, you're wrong. So more people focus on what the wrong you do than the right that you do. So and, that, and that's the problem with our society. We focus on you come home, you, know, you get 99% of your math test, and people focus on the 1% that you didn't get rather than the 99% that you did get. Right. So it's that it comes back to that positive reinforcement. And, and by the way, maybe 2% of the population re- responds well to the negative reinforcement. Like a Michael Jordan, you start talking trash to that guy, he's going to use it as fuel. And some people will, some people have that ability to do that. And I'm not saying all people don't have that ability. That, that ability is, is, is certainly there, but for the majority of the people, we need positive re- reinforcement. We need, we need people that are going to lift us up, not pull us down. And I was telling this to the other client the other day. I said, look, if you can't pull up the people around you, for goodness sakes, do not let them bring you down. Don't, mm-hmm. don't, don't. And here's the other thing I'm going to tell you. One, one of my mentors said, Anthony, if you're the smartest person in the room, you got to get a new set of friends. Yep. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, wow. He goes, he goes if you assume the moment you feel like you're the big dog in the yard, you got to move up. And here's, here's the psychology of it too. Let's say you're a swimmer and you're at level one and you win the championship at level one. You have two choices. 
you either stay at level one and win the championship at the rookie stages, or you move up to level two with no guarantee that you're going to win the championship at second stage. But what I'm saying is that first stage, you're the big dog. You're the champion. But you're never going to grow because you're never going to be challenged to the next stage. By going to the next stage, you may not win initially, but those faster swimmers are going to push you up to the next level of your performance. And that's what my mentors and the people I was reading for years was, were doing to me. I felt like when I was reading them, they were speaking right to me, and they were mentoring me. And I had, the, I had the pleasure and privilege of meeting Wayne Dyer. He was one of my favorite guys out there. And I had the privilege, privilege of meeting him in Toronto. And he's the, the guy, that guy was one of the people that I, that, I, that I admired so much, not just because of all the books and all the audios he released, but he, he walked the walk. He was one who, whatever he wrote, and he was interviewed in his interviews, that's how he was in real life. Some of these people... They are interviewed, they're, they write these books, and they, they're, it's, all, it's, all, it's all surface. But they're not necessarily like that in real life. And I've met a few of them, like, wow. They write about it, they talk about it, but they don't necessarily live it. Wayne Dyer was a guy that lives, and I really, really uh, admire that guy for that. So when it comes to failure, I can tell you right now, it's necessary. Failure is necessary. In fact, the first shot to the moon, I mean, I think it was the first ship to the moon, it was off course 92% of the time. 92% of the time, the ship was off course. So it was failing 92% of the time. What it was doing was noticing it when it was off course and then it would course correct. So it was action, feedback, correction, action. Action, feedback, correction. That's what we're doing all our life. All, anything by longevity is going to be get off course from time to time, always. Whether it be you know, fitness related, like if you're trying to lose 50 pounds or something. There are going to be weeks that you're not going to lose weight and you're going to be doing everything right. And there's going to be something. It's not there to, it's not there to hurt or harm you. It's there to test you to see how badly you really, really want it. Sure. And that's oftentimes what I do is to course correct the mind, course correct the heart, align the, the mind with the body, with the heart, with the gut. And the more you're aligned with the mind, the heart, the gut, and the body, the spirit, the soul, the mind, emotion, if you're aligned in those areas, and that's what I particularly would like to train people to do is to align their spirit with their soul, with their mind, their heart, their emotions, their body. And once you can align yourself fully until you become literally unstoppable. And that doesn't mean conflicts don't show up. It just, that means that a better version of you shows up to be able to handle those challenges. And I'll, here's a perfect example of this. So let's say I took the first iPod that was ever invented by Steve Jobs, and I brought it to 2020, and I installed the software into that first hardware iPod. Could that iPod handle that? There's no way. It doesn't, it's not strong enough. Well, I know the technological terms. It needed an upgrade. So humans need to upgrade themselves to be able to face the challenges that come. As you grow, problem is no, no one. And I talked about this in my TED talk. No one, everyone upgrades their phone or their computer or their home or their car or whatever. But you don't upgrade your mind or your heart or your body. Very few people will do that. And 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 so when the, when the ch inevitable challenges of life that come, you need to upgrade this. You need to upgrade this. You need to upgrade your body so that you are prepared and ready for those things. So you build the the character muscle, the soul muscle, the spiritual muscle whatever muscle you need to counteract the effects of those problems that we are inevitably faced with. Yeah. So I want to talk about that first generation iPhone, the person that is stuck. They don't know what to do. They may be, have gone through some tragedy. And I think when you're in that sort of situation or when you're overwhelmed or you don't know what to do, you, you think irrationally and you don't necessarily how to know how to put two thoughts together or how to get out. And there's no steps there. It's, it's easy to talk about it after the fact, but when you're in it, it's a very difficult situation. So yes. how yeah. can a person 
get out of that, whether it's a funk or whether it is serious depression, anxiety, how can a person like that pull themselves from the dirt, from the ground and begin to analyze themselves and look internally and change themselves from the inside out? Great question. Great question. I get that question all the time. And there's really no easy answer to that. I mean, there's a, there's a, I can give you the, the, the hard answer to that, but I can give you the basic answer to that. When you're, you can't see the picture when you're in the picture frame, you can't smell your own bad breath when you have it. Someone's got to point that out to you. So it actually is counterintuitive when you're in that depressive state or that anxious state or that feeling of that your life doesn't matter. It's actually a feeling that you just want to be alone. You don't want to burden other people. But that's particularly the time when you need to reach out for help more than ever. That's the first thing I do. If I'm out, if I'm down and out, I need, I, I reach out. I need to, because I, I can't, I'm, I'm in it. I'm in the pool of crap, so I can't see it. I'm in the picture frame. So I need someone outside of me to objectively look at my problem or whatever it is to guide me through that, to navigate me through me. Here's a perfect example of this. I'll give you a metaphor for this. So let's say, we, all three of us, are, we're in a forest, okay? And both of you guys are a team, and I'm by myself. And the whole task, we're dropping in this forest, and the whole task is to get out of the forest. And the goal is to get out as fast as you can. Whoever gets out first wins. Now, quick question, guys. Let's say I am given a map of the forest, and I don't even know where I am. I'm like, okay, I'm trying to figure out what this map is. But then you're given a walkie-talkie with a guy in a helicopter above who sees everything from above you. Who's going to get out first? The uh, helicopter. Yeah. yeah. The, you have someone above you looking down at you going, go to the river. See the river right there? See those big rocks? Run 100 meters there. Okay. Now you're going to go north. North is – no, left, left. Go left. Right. <laughs> I'll go over the hill. Right? So Exactly. But I'm looking at this map going, I don't know where I am on the map. you got to know where you are on the treasure map. The X, oftentimes I like to use this metaphor. you got to know where you're on the map in order to get to the actual treasure itself. The X marks yeah. the spot. So, but you don't know where you are when you're in the shit, excuse my language. When you're in the crap, it's hard to, it's hard to know where you are and how to understand the situation. So asking for help that don't ask for help as Les Brown because you're weak, but because you want to remain strong. And that's not a form of weakness. When someone comes to me and says, I am suicidal or I just got divorced and I just ruined my marriage. And I feel like my life doesn't matter because I, I have all the success in the world, but I, my marriage is failing or my kids don't love me or I'm, I got a drug addiction. I, get, I work with people like this all the time. And let me tell you something. They need the fact that their first step was to reach out to help. That is the first step. And then for me to guide them and then for me to actually get off my mountain, walk down my mountain to the valley that they're in and hold their hand and guide them step by step out of their valley experience. And, and oftentimes I like to use the metaphor too. Um, uh, I'll, I'll use this with kids and teenagers. I'll, I'll work with. I'll say I'll give them an apple. I'll say, "What is that?" And they go, "It's an apple." I said, "What else is it?" And they just keep on going. I'll say, "Do you know that apple was made out of cow manure, cow shit, cow crap?" And they're like, "Wow, I didn't really think about that." I said, "Yeah, cow manure nourishes the fields, the farm, to, to grow nicer crops and more nourishing crops, right?" So you're mm-hmm. eating cow manure. So whatever manures in your life. You, it's there to nourish you, not to kill you. It's there to nourish you. So use the manure of life to nourish your, your body, your mind, your spirit. And here's, the thing, here's, a, here's another thing I would, like, I, I would share with you. When you're depressed and you're down, that's a certain state of physical, mental, emotional state that you're in. And how you break that, I remember the time when I was so sick and tired of being sick and tired, I finally just got up and ran. 
I just went for a run. I'm like, I'm sick and tired. I got to do something. I just went for a run. I, I forget how long it was. I was out there for like two hours. Like, I was just, that's it. I'm going for a run. And, and, and throughout that whole run, I was just thinking about what I wanted. Literally, I was like, okay, I want this. I want this. I got to change this. I got to change that. And out of that, like, channeling of my energy and the anger, focusing on what I wanted, not what I feared, all of a sudden, things started to transform. And changing your body, changing, and Tony Robbins is big on this, changing your physiology, changing your focus, where focus goes, energy flows. Use your language patterns to be congruent with what it is you want. Speak that which you wish to become, and you'll become it. Don't say, oh, I'm depressed, I'm not going anywhere. If you continually reinforce that and say that, then your brain's going to basically come up with those same answers that are congruent with that. It's like, have you, ever got, have you guys ever had the experience of you know, buying something that you really wanted, and you, you're waiting to have enough money to buy that? But you're thinking about this video game or this shirt or whatever you guys want to buy. And you're like, you're like focusing in on it. And then every day you're focusing on it. And then you start to see that shirt everywhere or that video game. Everywhere. And you're like, what the hell? But here's the thing. It was always there, but you weren't focusing on it. And that part of your brain, the particular activating system starts to get turned on. And it starts to notice everything that's congruent with that particular want in your mind. Right. Now that's it. That goes for anything you want. You want a million dollars. If you put your focus on that enough with emotional intensity, I'm not saying it's just going to come to you in your lap like The Secret, like that movie The Secret said. But what I'm saying is you start to focus in on that, you get emotional about that, and it's all you're focusing on, your brain will start to figure out ways and, and things that are congruent to that, that final destination. And so I'll, I'll give you an example of this. So what I'll say to people when they're fearful or they're down, I'll say to them, like, what do you want? And I'll, I'll, give this, I'll, I'll, I'll give you an example of this. I'll say, what do you want? They'll go, a um, million dollars. Okay, so why do, you, why do you really want that? And they'll kind of go, well, you know, pay off some debt and buy a nice car, you know, um, I don't know. what, I, I don't know. And there's no emotion behind it. There's no clarity. There's no purpose. There's no real drive or reason behind that. And I'll ask someone else, what do you want? And they'll go, a million dollars. And I'll go, well, okay, great. So why do you want that? And they'll go, well, you know what? I want to give $100,000 to this charity. I want to send my, I'm going to bring my wife home from the job that she hates and she hates her job. And I'd love for her to stay home with the kids a bit longer. She can get a part-time job doing what she loves. I want to bring my, I want to take my kids to a vacation in, in the Dominican Republic and then build a house for them. Cause I've always wanted to do a missionary down there um, and give more to my church. I think that'd be amazing. And you know, maybe take my kids on a nice little excursion down South somewhere. And it'd be really nice to do that. Now, quick question, guys, we have two people that want the exact same thing. Who's going to have more drive to get that? person a or person b person b why because it connected emotion connected emotion and there's purpose behind it there's a there's a greater drive a reason to actually get that so then i'll then i'll say to them i'll say okay let me ask you a question you guys are in chicago right am i am i right yeah okay let's say let's say i said to you guys right now let's get up and run 42.2 kilometers a full marathon wherever you guys are now let's go boom let's go do it now if you guys are not aren't in shape most of the people listening to this program would be like, that's crazy. 42.2 kilometers, or in your case, in the United States, it would be 26.2 miles, right? That's our, I'm in Canada, it's so 42.2 kilometers. So 26.2 miles is pretty far to run. Now, when I ask these people in seminars, not a single person puts up their hand. Maybe someone that does marathons will put up their hand. But I'll say, no, right now in your attire. How many people could do it? And they'll go, not a single person. I'll say, okay, for the sake of this example, and I'll prove this by an example. Can I have a volunteer? And someone will stand up. I'll say, what's your name? Robin. Oh, nice to meet you, Robin. Um, so do you think you can run 42.2 kilometers or 26.2 miles? And they'll go, there's no way. No, I haven't run more than 500 meters. No way. I said, you're, you're 100% sure you could never run 26 point whatever miles, 42.2 kilometers right now. And they're like, no. Are you 100% certain? Absolutely. I would be dead. I said, great. Let me, let me add something. Do you have any children there, Robin? Yeah. How many children do you have? 
two, a six and a four-year-old. Great. Let's say I took your youngest child, I held your four-year-old in my arms, and I pulled, it, pulled a gun out, and I put it to her head and said, Robin, you either run that marathon or your kid's going to die. What are you going to do? She goes, I guess I'm running that marathon. I said, well, wait a second. You, you, two seconds ago, you were certain. You were telling me with absolute certainty that you could run 42.2 kilometers, but now you can? I go, what changed? She goes, well, if I don't, my child dies. I said, so it's not that you can't do that. You now have a strong reason to do it that's right. propelling you to do it. And then I'll say, how many people in here right now, if I guaranteed $10 million, that would be deposited into your personal bank account at the, at the completion of that mile, at 26 miles marathon? How many people would join me? And everyone goes, when do we start? I said, well, wait a second here. All of a sudden, not a single person put up their hand. Now they can put up their hand to get their cert. Because they go, well, it's $10 million. No, no, no. It's a $10 million reason. You now have a $10 million reason to achieve that particular goal. So it's not the wants that people are after. It's the purpose, the drive behind the want. So when you talk about getting people out of their shame or their depression, I discover what it is they want, why they want. I get them emotionally charged and then... And eventually what I help them do is, 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 is help them climb out of that through getting, getting them to feel their own power. I mean, I've done this in seminars, much like Tony Robbins does and a bunch of other coaches and speakers do. But they get, take someone out of the audience who's depressed and you, they turn them around like literally in minutes. It's not, it doesn't even, I had one guy, I literally had, I said, who in here is not feeling like their life matters, they want to end it and they're depressed. I want someone who's real though. Someone put up their hand. Guy was like literally sitting like this, had a hat on, didn't really care what it was. Like, oh, okay, great. Long story short, he put up his hand. I said, would you mind for the sake of this, um, I could use you as a volunteer? And they said, yeah. So I said, I said, oh, what's your name? He said, Dave. And da, 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 da. we got to know each other. I said, Dave, wh why do you want to end it? Or why is it you depressed? He goes like, well, I, I have no job. I don't know where I'm going in life. Uh, I don't know girlfriend. Da, da, da. I started talking about everything he's, he doesn't have. So I needed to break that. So I asked him, I said, okay. Stand up for me, Dave. And I said, okay, great. Do you have anyone that you really care about right now? And she said her name. Her name was Emma. I said, great. Emma, do you really care about Emma? I said, yeah. She said, yeah. I said, okay, great. Imagine I was walking in the street and Emma was with you. And I, you, you, you perceived that I was going to attack Emma. And I was going to hurt Emma. And I was looking right at her. And you had this sense. Now, what would you do if I was about to attack Emma? Would you stand there and just sit there? He goes, no. I said, looking like a pussy like that, <laughs> and, he, and he, you could tell the moment I called him that, he, there was something in him that went, oh, did you just call me that? Like, right? So then I said, I said, well, what are you going to do? He goes, I'm not going to let you do that. I said, really? Stand there? And I pushed him, and something like turned in him, and he was like, no. He took his hand slant, and he, and he got really angry, Then he pushed me. He's like, he's, and he started using every F word that he can think of, every battle. He pushed me. I pushed him back. I said, could this guy... If this guy stepped up, could this guy take charge of his life? He goes, hell yeah. And the whole audience started screaming. I said, well, who are you? I want to introduce you to the new guy. This guy's not, guy's, this guy's not Dave. This guy is Super Dave. Everyone say hi to Super Dave. They're like, Super Dave. <laughs> it was an amazing experience. Within minutes, he was able to go from a, a state of downward depression to claiming his life and feeling like he's empowered. And the rest of the summer that I was in, he was engaged. He was ready to go, went home. And, you know, I followed up with him and he was playing music. He was back at it and he was doing some great things. So it can happen. The question is like, how can, how can you get yourself out of that? Well, there's, I just given you a number of examples to do that, but get help, go for a run, change your physical, change your mindset, focus on what you want rather than what you fear. Yeah. 
for sure. I totally agree. Um, and I think that just speaks to the necessity of a mentor. I was just thinking about it while you were talking about that. I, you see it everywhere. You see it in um, like media, you see it in literature. Like I know, like I just read Dante's Inferno a while ago. So yes, very good. He was getting, he was getting uh, guided by Poet Virgil, right? And it's like, even everybody needs somebody to um, move them through a certain point in life. Um, so for me, I had two questions that were kind of spawned from what you were just talking sure. about. Yeah. Um, first off, based off of the necessity of a mentor, um, how exactly could somebody go about finding one? Um, I feel like it's, it's so there's, there's like benefits and drawbacks to the fact that it's everywhere in our culture. One, it's like normalized, but on the other hand, it's like, you need to like, people feel like they need to get like the ultimate mentor or like somebody <laughs> yes. who's like insane, right? Yes. Yes. Oh, I get it. I get it. I get it. I get it. I, get it. I think what's important, I think you, you hit it right on the bullseye. People think I got to get this like picture perfect human being that has successful in every other life. No, you don't have to do that. If you, if your goal is to lose weight, find someone who's actually lost 50 pounds and kept it off. There are amateurs out there. They're everywhere. And I, I promise you, I guarantee you 99.99% of the people that have done that, if you were to, if they're introverts especially, they're not going to go go be like me and go teach everybody this stuff. I'm naturally an extrovert, so I naturally want to go teach this stuff to people. But that introvert that has lost 50 pounds, if they were asked by somebody, hey, look, I, I saw you last year and at the gym, and you look amazing. I just want to say they look amazing. I, I, like You've kept it off. And you've done amazing. What did you do? Do you mind if I just pick your brain quickly, like what you did? Like what diet you're on and stuff like And you just start picking their brain. And they don't necessarily have to be an official mentor. They could just be someone you just say, hey, could I just get your attention for an hour or half an hour? I call you and just figure out what exactly did you do? What is the journey that you did? And then you, you take what, what you, you write your notes down and you review it. And then you go, okay, I like this. I don't like that. And then you make it your own. And then you interview the next person and then you create this great plan and you go, all right, out of all the people I interviewed or, or got, got, got mentorship from, I've now have a plan. I'm going to execute it now. So you're right. I think people look for this ultimate mentor. Um, but you know, I think, I think it's also context based as well. Like if, if you were looking for a business mentor, yeah, you want to have someone that's actually succeeded in business or mm -hmm. someone that's a speaker. Like I spoke to a few, when I wanted to become a speaker, I spoke to a few speakers that were very successful in the business. I would just, I said, can I book an interview with you? And they said, yeah, call my secretary and then we'll have a half an hour chat. I'd love to help you, Anthony. And then I just, I just got going from there. Got some ideas. If you want to be a, uh, have a spiritual teacher, find someone like, you know, I, you know, I, I'm, I grew up in the Catholic church. And I still go to a Catholic church, but I, I, I deeply, deeply um, believe in all religion, that they all, we all go in the same place in the end. We all come from the same place. And the thing is, the, my, my definition of a Christian, my definition of a Hindu, my definition of a Muslim, my definition of, Jew, of a Jewish person, it's all the same. It's like, it's like a Christian is one who has met one. A Christian is one who sees Christ in all things. And uh, whether it be Hindu, uh, you know, use that language that fits whatever, uh, you know, religion you belong to, too. And so it's not necessarily tied to a label anymore. It's it's to me religion and the, the, the original the, the original um, uh, Latin word for religion is religio or religio, which means to link us back to the cosmos and the original teachings. You know, five, six thousand years ago wasn't about like doctrines and dogmas and attending churches and attending, you know, synagogues. And 
if your if your if your if your basis of your religious beliefs are is attendance and membership to a particular religion, that's low level consciousness. I'm not saying you're a low level person. What I'm saying is you got to go up. If your religion is helping you become a better human being and bringing you closer to your true identity, then that's probably a higher level of teachings. I'm getting, I'm going off on a tangent here, but what I'm saying to you is is this: I've had spiritual teachers, I've had business mentors. I've had life coaches, I've had therapists, I've had psychologists, I've had many different forms of mentors in my life. Sometimes my friends became my mentors. You get what I mean? So it's yeah. context-based. So you don't have to necessarily have to have one mentor. But if you want to be successful in business, it's probably a good idea to, to, uh, to find someone who's successful in business. And you can find them everywhere. In Chicago, I'm sure there's some business owners that are successful, franchises and all these CEOs. You can just call them up and say, can I get an interview with you? I'm looking to become successful and I see that you're successful. Could I have 10 minutes of your time? Just, just pick your brain. That's yeah, right. And I think that's one of the reasons I started this podcast. I saw people, so many people have more information than me because I am 18 years old. If you didn't know, like, there's so many people, like <laughs> yeah. even someone who may be in college and wants to start a company, I haven't even started one yet. They may know more than yeah. me because they've been learning longer. They've been reading more books than me. You know, there's, there's always yeah. someone just a little bit ahead of you that can teach you things. And I think mm-hmm. it's so important to, almost like you can always pick different mentors for different parts of your life. You may just like, it could be even find someone online or emulate someone in a book because those are extreme mentors. They took hours and hours and hours and days to, and years to write these incredible books about their lives or what they've learned. And you get to like take a few days or however long you take to read a book and ingest all that information and use it however you need to. You're absolutely right. In fact, one of my meditations that I do is I imagine I, this is probably a good practice. Now we're getting into practices in my meditations. I imagine in some of the parts of my visualizations, I imagine I'm actually talking to one of my mentors, like people I admire. It could be a Jesus figure, could be Gandhi, it could be whomever I'm talking to, if I could pick Mother Teresa. And then I'll sit there and I'll imagine she's in front of me and I'm actually talking to her and what, what advice she would give me or he would give me. And what I'm really doing, what am I doing? I'm actually talking to a part of myself. I'm not talking to an actual it. I'm talking to that higher, what they call golden shadow part of me that I'm rejecting. Mm-hmm. So if people that are starting meditation, that's a great visualization. Think of something you really admire that you've never met. You're probably never going to meet probably in real life or you probably might. But imagine they were, you're, in your, like, you're sitting in a chair with them. And you're imagining them and you're asking them a question like, what advice do you have for me? And let that person speak to you. And then the second part of that is actually exchanging your body with that person. So then you become the Mother Teresa or you become the Gandhi or you become the Nelson Mandela or you become whomever you admire in your life. And then you embody that. And you would believe that exercise is pretty, a pretty powerful meditation because then what happens, you're integrating with that energy and it's slowly in your subconscious, you actually start to operate from that. And that's, that's certainly what I do every day as well. I visualize those things all the time and it's a very powerful exercise. I'm I'm yeah. very curious because you were talking about how you meditate for an hour every single morning, and I'm uh, if you don't want to go too specific, it's fine. But I'm just curious what your routine may be because a lot of people think of meditating <laughs> yeah. for one minute as difficult and doing yes. it for a full yes. sixty minutes and being intentional about it, and yeah. Uh, yeah. instead of just being like silent by yourself, is is very mm. difficult to do, and it must be structured. So how do you go about doing that each and every day? 
Ooh, so yeah, I, I literally, I, it's funny. One of my clients asked me, can you, she was literally like, okay, I, I know your meditation is like so crazy. Like it's like unbelievable. Like I, I take people through what I do on a, on a brief level and I'll probably do that here too as well. But it's, it is very structured. But then I get to a point where it's like, as an example, what I'll do is I'll say like 50 affirmations in a row. And it'll just, you know, that the, the, the repetitiveness of that, it removes my monkey mind. So anything, you could use prayer beads, you could use any mantra, affirmations, incantations, whatever it is. And then I get into stuff like, I'll say, I'll, I'll repeat something like into thy presence, I, I, I enter now. And I imagine myself entering into a, a room of light. And then I'm entering this room of light, and I'm engulfed by it, right? And, and then all of a sudden, I imagine now this beam of light above my head, entering the top of my head through all my chakras into my my root chakra and back up and as I exhale. So I go through some visualizations and I go through some prayer and I go through what I like to call a gratitude, a gratitude explosion where I literally go into this tangent. I start being grateful for everything in my life as specific as humanly possible for the air I breathe, for the heart that I, that beats a hundred thousand times a day, for my hands that I get to hold, my fingers I get to touch, my feet that I get to walk, my skin I get to feel, my ears I get to hear, the water I get to drink daily, for my fridge that keeps our food and our beverages cool and warm and preserved. And I just go on this crazy, I get so grateful and I get so energized. And then I go into some more affirmations. I go into some prayer. Then I go into what I call the eight levels of intention, of Anthony's intentions. And I go, I fully intend to do this. I fully intend to be a superhuman version of Anthony so I can, uh, so I can render greater service. I fully intend to have superhuman health and well-being. I fully intend to provide superhuman service. I fully intend to be charitable. I fully intend to have wealth and abundance. I fully intend to have superhuman relationships. And then I visualize what that's, that looks like. And then I get into stuff like um, shadow work. Uh, I won't get into that right now, but I, it's pretty heavy. Sometimes it goes longer than 60 minutes. Before, sometimes the 60 minutes is done. I'm like, oh, it's already done. So sometimes I don't even go 90 minutes. And I get, but you wouldn't believe the more you actually visualize and imagine what it is you want rather than what you fear. And the more you get into those higher states of awareness, the more those things start to resonate with who you are, the more you become those things. And I'd say the last probably 10, 15, 20 minutes, it's, it's, it's in deep silence where I'm just totally watching and observing everything around me in that sort of higher, deeper, causal witnessing state. Um, but it, 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 I would suggest to your audience, start with you know 30 seconds. You know, Ken Wilber talks about a, a an exercise where if you have got if you've got a watch or if you've got a you know a watch like this or you're watching a watch or watching a clock, see if you can watch that that seconds hand for a whole minute without breaking attention. That's a form of meditation. You can use running as a form of meditation. It doesn't have to be formal meditation when you're in a lotus position. It could be dancing. It could be reading. It could be running. Um, could be yoga, could be Tai Chi, whatever form of it, it takes. As long as you are making what they call subject object and where the subject and object become one, they amalgamate and it dissolves. And that's a form of unity consciousness. But I'm getting out of this world now. But what I'm saying is, is that I took me years to actually develop that sort of level of understanding. And so I want to suggest to the audience, start with 30 seconds a day where you're just even focusing on your breathing, where you close your eyes and you breathe in for six seconds. This is called... Um, uh, heart rate variability breathing when you breathe in for six and exhale for eight through the mouth or breathe in for 10 exhale for six it doesn't matter the number as long as the numbers are the same you breathe in for six exhale for eight or breathe in for 10 exhale for 20 it doesn't matter as long as they're the same and as you're meditating and focusing on your breath it's bringing you into the present moment and do like that five times and then go from one minute to two minutes 
And that's how I started. I didn't all of a sudden just start getting up at 3, 3.15, 3.30 in the morning. I was getting up at 8, and then I got up at 7.45, and 7.30, then 7.15, and then slowly, I thought 6 a.m. was early, and then I started to go to 5.30, 5 o'clock, and then 4.30, 4 o'clock, and it was just like, I love it. And Rumi has that great quote, says, um, um, uh, the breeze in the morning has secrets to tell you, don't go back to sleep. And so your greatest creativity occurs when you're in that morning where there's no distractions on the outside world. It's pure silence, pure depth. And uh, it's a great experience. Of, of So yeah, do I recommend meditating in the morning? For sure. Just like I recommend exercise in the morning as well, if you can. Yeah, I know. That's like, there is something different about um, waking up at five. Jack is the one that really got me into it. Um, mm-hmm. because he would, he would wake up at five during what was the school year. And I don't, I don't really know how he does in the, in the dead of winter. Cause like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you look yeah, at yeah, yeah. it's like a tundra. You're in Chicago. I get it. I get it. Cause we're in through like Toronto area and it gets pretty cold. And by the way, to the audience too, people that like, not a lot of people know this about me, but I, I won't say suffer, but I have, I have seasonal affective disorder and I like, and it, it affects me pretty hard. I need to get away to the summer, like on a holiday vacation for like a week to break up the winter because it affects me emotionally where I get extraordinarily tired. Uh, my emotions, I get like, if you, I know what depression feels like. It literally does feel like they were like, I have no energy of feeling like I'm being pulled, um, foggy thinking, sore, sore aches and pains in my body like that for no mm-hmm. reason. Yeah. So I experienced that. I, I have friends that I've experienced that they got to the point where they were suicidal and they were, they were like needed like, medical attention they needed to go on antidepressants so i know what that feels like so yeah i i need to be gentle on myself but in that here he hears even with that seasonal affective disorder i learned to be more gentle with myself and learn to love myself to give myself compassion yeah because you can't give to others what you don't you don't give to yourself right yeah for mm-hmm. sure um yeah there definitely is like i recommend to all listeners out here um there definitely there definitely is something about waking up at five also mm-hmm. um earlier you went on that tangent on relationships. anybody <laughs> yes. listening here yeah. if you're if you're interested more we did drop an episode uh, okay. with Dimranjit Singh that was talking completely about religion so make sure okay. to check that out um now sure. the plug sure. is over but um, <laughs> was, um yeah yeah how exactly so I'm um I'm reading a book currently that I'm completely like I just love it so much I'm only like a couple of chapters in but it's called flow the psychology of optimal experience yes of course um, and it defines it defines distractions as like something that comes into your consciousness yeah. as um and that takes away from your greater goal mm-hmm. um, and uh, like i don't know it talks about like the science behind it a little bit and essentially yeah. humans are really unique in the sense that we a lot of our decisions we make conscientiously so like we have yes. we actually have the power to make those decisions um and that way we can get we can go on tangents and get away from our goal um, so how do you deal with distractions? I know that comes up in meditation all the time. It's like, sure, focus sure. on breath, focus on breath. Yes, 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 yes. Lunch, focus on breath. <laughs> well, yeah, no, uh, everyone, we're all human. We get easily just get distracted, right? And I think the number one thing, as I, I, I alluded to before, was understanding what it is you want. And really, like, I mean, the, my, my original, when I first started this in my early 20s and started studying this, like, one of the things was my mentor had me doing was literally write down what it is I want and have it on my mirror and read it every single morning. And then throughout my day, have it on my phone and have it ringing and then read, read it. So my, my focus is always on that. So my brain is not that. And as soon as a tra- distraction comes on, read, read what, what, what it is you have. So you got to have the awareness to do that. And that's where meditation comes in. But yeah, distractions are going to happen. That's an inevitable part of life. And that's why for me, too, it, it, it's, 
one of these things um, that I notice about very successful people, whether it be spiritual based, business based, they they knew their priorities through and through. They knew and they lived it. They were like they like I remember my one client. He came to Canada with ninety dollars in his pocket, and then he became a multimillionaire. And very he moved from Palestine, barely spoke English. He was a very successful guy. And I remember asking him, "So how did you?" He goes, "Well, I knew what I wanted. Um, I only had a great education, so I couldn't really be successful education, formal education wise. Because so I had to be successful in business, open up a business. So he had this goal of opening up 300 convenience stores, which he did. And then he owns a bunch of different businesses. Point is, he knew what he wanted. He 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 said this to me. I said, "So what? What is your priorities?" And he said, "Number one, my health. That's number one. He goes, I don't let anyone get anything get in that way." Number two, my family. Number three, my business. And until I get those three things done, golf and going to the casino and all these other entertainings, they take a sidestep. But until my health, my family, my business is taken care of, I let nothing get in the way of that. And so he knew his top three, and he lived and breathed it. So if any distraction came in, and he would literally say to himself, is this, is this congruent with any of my top three priorities? Have I made my top three priorities today a priority? If it didn't, he'd go right at it again. He would, he would have days where he wouldn't even sleep because he, you know, he was so driven. Mm -hmm. um, but, but the point is, is you, for your audience out there, I would suggest you figure out what your top three priorities are. Like what's your number one, like that's one of the things I do when I'm coaching people. It's like, what do you value the most? What's your highest value? What do you value? And they'll say their health. I say, okay, if it is your health, then why, why are you living it? Let's get down and dirty. Is your health a priority or is it watching TV? And they'll yeah. go, yeah, yeah, if I was honest with myself, yeah, I watch too much TV. So is it, no, I'm not trying to beat you up here. I'm trying to get honest. We can't get to the truth until you tell yourself the truth. You might value your health, but you're not, it's, it's the difference between knowing what to do and doing what you know, right? And, and so we get to the truth. My, my job is to get to the truth, the source of, of their pain and go, all right, your life, it's like that one story I heard about this alcoholic. He was in front of an audience and they asked him, what do you love the most? And he said, my wife. And then the audience said, bullshit. And they were like, and the guy was like shocked. And he was like, and then they asked us, so what do you love? And he said, I go, no, I love my children the most. And they said, bullshit. And then he was like shocked. And they asked us, so what, no, what do you really love the most? And he kind of just sat there and he started crying and he said, alcohol. And the whole audience started clapping and they came up to him and hugged him. And in his pain and in his truth of telling him that, then he was set free. But it's, the moment you lie to yourself, that you say, oh, I don't have a problem. Everything's fine. That is the problem. <laughs> You lying to yourself. That is the problem. Is that saying the true self sets you free? Yes, for sure. You got to tell yourself the truth. You got to be brutally honest with yourself. And that sometimes takes a mentor who can actually look at you and go, you know what? That has the balls enough to say, you know what? You did that. That's, 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 that's a below your character. So clean your act up. Mm -hmm. Right. So sometimes I have to do that with my clients too. I'll say, look, was this, you, you didn't, you didn't call me to cancel the session here. Like you're not respecting my time. I can find somebody else that, that would value my time. And they'll go, whoa. And because they respect me, they'll go, I won't happen again. So what are you going to do about it to change that behavior? And they'll go, well, I'm going to schedule my time. And then I, here's the thing. Are you going to confirm with me now from now on? Because, man, my time is valuable. Don't screw with my time. And, and I'm, not do, I'm not doing it from a place of disrespect. I'm doing it from a place of love. You get what I'm saying? Saying like that mentor will do that. will call you out on your stuff and tell you the truth. But not because they hate you, because they care for you. Yeah. Right? So telling yourself the truth, getting someone else to tell you the truth. If, if you've got friends around you that, that aren't, that are just agreeing with you all the time, you need some friends that will tell you the truth. You do. Yeah. You do. Really you definitely agree. need someone, <laughs> right? Because if everyone's mm -hmm. just agree with you, right, you're just going to think everything's fine. 
But if someone says, you know what, um, and has the balls enough, you know what, you, I've noticed over the years you've gained 40 pounds and I'm, I'm concerned for your health. That takes courage, man. But that's yeah. just love. It's not like, oh, I'm just going to accept them for the Your family has a, um, has a, you know, like, has a, has a list of cancer and diabetes in their, in their, in their genes. I'm afraid you're going to go in that same direction. I don't want that to happen to you. Let's catch it now. Let me help you. Let me help you. Well, let's go for walks every day. Let's, let's go on a diet together or whatever. You need, that, that, that's an amazing friend. That's an amazing friend. You want people out there like that. Or are you going to be as courageous as, as, as how, I'm, how, I'm, how I'm explaining? And I have some people around there that I give full permission to call me out on stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You, you, so, need people, you need people to push you because the path of com, to complacency is often, it's comfortable. It's easy. It's like, it's like, oh, I can sit down and eat potato chips and I can just relax and watch TV all day. And like, mm-hmm. it, it feels good in the moment, but only in yes. that moment. You don't, you're, you don't see yeah. the future when you're living, when you're watching Netflix and you're eating ice cream all day long. All you yeah. see is the current moment and that you're enjoying yourself and you get that hit of dopamine. You, know? yes. you need those friends that push you into discomfort, that make you question your own beliefs, that make you yeah. want to do more, that sometimes make you insecure of where yeah. you're at right now. You, know? you, you yeah. want them to be able to get you to the next level because sometimes upgrading your phone or yourself you can't do it by yourself. Like we said with a mentor, it's the same thing with a friend. You need that person to maybe push yeah. the button or to just get you on the right path. Maybe just snap you out of a funk and just get you going. Yeah. There's, there's something to be said about, as I said, you know, like the four things, what you read, what you listen to, what you watch and who you hang around. I would say who you hang around is probably the number one. Like there's not to say reading books and I'm not saying that but what I'm saying is I would say like your, your environment, like who you hang around is going to play a huge role. Here, here's an example I give to people. I, I, I said this to a number of my clients. I said, okay, for the next 30 days, let's say you hung around me for 30 days. You literally for 30 days followed me everywhere I went and you live with me and we did everything together. Now one of three things are going to happen. Either you're going to start coming up to my level of standard or I'm going to drop to yours or our relationship's going to dissolve. And then I often say this to them. I give you, a, I'll give you a clue here. I'm not coming down to yours. So which one will it be for you? Will you help? Will you raise to my standard or will you just walk away because it's too uncomfortable? And that's why friendships will often dissolve because one friend will be going up and the other person will be staying. Right. And then, and then either the friendship will kind of dissolve because one person's going up or that other person might be inspired and want to go up to their level or the other person will come down. Right. And that's, that's yeah. oftentimes, and it's naturally, it's natural when you're on a, when you're growing and your friends around you aren't growing the way you're growing, it's not good or bad. It's just, it's a natural force mm-hmm. and that's going to happen. I've, I've had to let go of certain friends too. And, and thank God I did because the friends that I had back then, so two of them, I think one of them committed suicide. The other two got arrested for drugs, for trafficking and all this other stuff. It was just brutal. So I'm glad I didn't go that direction. So yeah. Yeah, so I make and those are tough decisions, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sugarcoat this. A lot of those things what we're talking about now, it's not easy. It is not easy. It's like if I said to you, if I said to you right now, you know, an apple a day, you know, keeps a doctor away, and I said to you, what if that's true? How many people on this on this on this podcast would actually do it? I don't know. Some fifty percent, forty percent, and it's such an easy thing to do. An apple a day keeps a doctor away. What it was guaranteed that it would keep the doctor away. Now, here's the thing, because it's easy to do, it's easy not to do. Right. 
right? So I remember seeing, I uh, talked to a financial guy, a millionaire, and he said, Anthony, what if I told you that you, if you save $10 every day, that's like a Big Mac meal at McDonald's from age 21 to 65, and you invested it pretty wisely, you'd be a multi, multi, multi-millionaire. I said, that'd be amazing. When do I start? He goes, here's the problem. It's easy to do. It's easy not to do. How many people get distracted, as you say, you know, oh, oh, I want this, I want these new pair of shoes. They won't have the discipline to see this through throughout a lifetime. It's those small little disciplines every single day repeated that equals a successful life. It's the small little errors in judgment that equals failure. Yeah. Those are, those are big. It doesn't have mm-hmm. to be a big change. It just be a small change. It's like I, I'll give you another metaphor. If you and I were to fly to Hawaii right now and I changed the trajectory of our flight pattern by 0.1 degree, would we end up on the island of Maui? And the answer is no. We'd be completely miss it. But same thing is in a positive direction. If you change your course of action and your judgments and your your disciplines by 0.1%, in 10 years, you're going to be a completely different destination. So I'm not asking people to make these massive shifts. And people get this idea, i got to climb Mount Everest in one leap. No. One small step, a journey of 1,000 miles begins with that one step. Tao Te Ching, right? And right. So it's beginning that one step. One step. It could just be, I'm going to go out, get up five minutes, do meditation for 30 seconds and go for a walk for 10 minutes. Maybe that's the first step. The second step is meditate for two minutes, three minutes, whatever. And then you just commit to that, that daily, daily discipline. And eventually every other discipline affects every other discipline as well. Mm-hmm. And you start to really steamroll. All of a sudden you start getting discipline in your health. Will that affect your relationships? Yes. Will it affect your spiritual growth? Yes. Will it affect your business? 100% because you, you're showing up as a better version of yourself. So that better version of yourself is going to be able to perform, right? And so, yeah, just focus on one area, one discipline at a time. It doesn't have to be big. And yeah. I think there's also so many factors. And just an, just an example of the whole relationship thing, one of my favorite um, kind of examples of two people come together and one person raising their standard is uh, David Goggins and Jesse Isler. And Jesse yes. invited David Goggins, who is a Navy SEAL and considered the hardest man alive, runs ultra marathons and just a crazy guy. Uh, yes. He invited him to his home for, I, I don't know how, it was an ex- extended amount of time. And he lived with him. And David's rule, or Goggins as he's known, was that each and every day they had to do one thing that sucked and that was awful. So he, he just made Jesse suffer for the longest time. Now, Jesse, I believe is at this point a billionaire and he, yeah. he's a very wealthy man, but he wanted to improve himself. And so he brought in the one guy who could push him harder than anyone else. And that's just yeah. proven that even the people that are most successful also need help in different areas of their life. Nobody is completely perfect and there's always someone you can learn from. You, you got that right, man. I, 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 that, that right there tells, tells a story of, of people who are willing to actually humble themselves to people that are better than themselves. Because, mm-hmm. because the reality is, is like, if you were to interview, let's say, I don't know, if, if she was still alive, Mother Teresa or Gandhi or Nelson Mandela, and you were to interview them, you, you would actually, there'd be a sense of like, wow, I feel like I'm still in kindergarten. Yeah. You get what I'm saying? And that would be yeah. uncomfortable. You're like, man, yeah. if, if humans can generate levels of beings like these people, like I have so much to learn. Mm-hmm. So like I, I could imagine like if you were, if I was hanging around Jesus Christ for 30 days, right? If he was still alive <laughs> yeah. or, yeah. you know what I mean? Or whoever, right? You know, like it's like, could you imagine like being like hanging around a person of that 
level okay. of gener generativity, that level of integrity. You're like, wow. And I've actually known of people who actually met Mother Teresa. And mm. they, her, just her energy, just her presence alone healed them. Like it was mm. just this overwhelming feeling of love. And, and I remember this one guy, he actually saw her um, speak at this, at this one conference in Ottawa. And they were talking about abortion. And the one guy, journalist, put up his hand and said, hey, so Mother Teresa, what do you think about abortion? And everyone in the audience is like, are you kidding me? You're making this a political thing? Like, and she says, no, 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 Let him ask. And she said, what's your question? She said, what is your take on abortion? And you know what her response was? Give me the baby. <laughs> and I thought, wow. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't a verbal attack. It was like, no, like, don't kill the baby. Give it to me. I'll take the baby. And it, it, but it, that's the level of consciousness she was at. Mm -hmm. like, who would have answered it that way? Right. Unless you're at a higher level of awareness. Like, right. I certainly, for that argument just like puts it off, like go put an adoption or foster care, but she exactly. would give, it to, give it to me. Like, give it to me. Like, don't hurt. It. I'll take it. It's like, and I hear a story. I remember I read a couple of biographies. I remember just her going into one, um, one area in Calcutta where like severe poverty. And like, she found this one child throwing up and, like diarrhea everywhere and she she took this kid and had one of her nuns like carry the baby and then she, she got on her hands and he was cleaning the area with like with her hands and knees it's just crazy like that was a level of like service she was committed to and i remember her flying to russia and and she um minus 20 degrees celsius and it was like so cold and they tried to give her a jack she said no i have people my, my people are starving right now without any clothing on I will not take that. And they tried to feed her. She's like, no, I won't take this luxury, like this luxury meal while my people are, are starving. Mm -hmm. And these world leaders were like, oh my God. <laughs> but she wasn't trying to make them feel bad. She wasn't trying to like, oh, I'm better than you. No, she lived it. Like she really was living it. In fact, she, she even noted that she hated the public speak. She hated it because she would took away from her, from her mission. And um, she had her level. She was human just like everybody else. But I think the point of the matter is, is that, as you said, it, when you get around someone that's a high standard and you're uncomfortable and you're like, whoa, this is uncomfortable. This person is like really pushing me. That's when you know it's a good thing. When you're, when you feel like, wow, this person's pushing me. That's when you yeah. know it's good. For real. Uh, that just speaks to, I think the power of perspective. That's like in my short career, <laughs> yeah. in my like four years in high school where I, arguably just undergone the most change in, in the past four years. That's the number one thing that I've learned is the power mm -hmm. of perspective, um, 100%, yeah. whether it be politics or just talking to people. Um, if you understand where they come from, I feel like it goes miles in um, really empathizing with them and coming to a solution for any problem. Um, yeah. it, I, I don't know. It's just crazy for me to think about. There's so many people have seen so much in the world um, and I know we had somebody come on the podcast a while ago. Uh, his name was Jamal Levy. Um, and he talked about, I, I think it was him. I think he talked a lot about how you have, like, there's a finite amount of knowledge in the world. There's an infinite amount of experiences that you can have. Um, and people, people have all these advantages over you. But the one thing that you always have to yourself are your experiences um, yes. and yes. your failures. And I think that that's something that, really resonates yeah i i think i think you know i've gotten to a point i remember it was uh bernie siegel he was talking about how he was this guy's a very left brain you know one of the top uh, uh cancer surgeons 
in the country, in the United States anyway. And, you know, his wife went to this healer, this energy healer. And then, you know, he'd rub his palms together and then touch you and it would get really hot. And he was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. And then apparently he put his hands on his knee. He had a knee issue and then put his, and he was healed. And then he, he was quoted in saying, I've learned to believe my experiences, to trust my, my experiences and not my beliefs. Because my beliefs were telling me this is, this can't be real. This is not scientifically proven, but then his experience is this person healed me with his hands. Now my knee's not sore. How's that possible? <laughs> right? So he, he learned to trust his experiences more than his beliefs or his perspectives. So you're right. Infinite amount of experiences can give you a, whole, a wealth of depth. If you choose it, if you choose that, those experiences, you choose the meanings behind those experiences. Um, I'm a big believer that this whole COVID-19 is going to elevate our consciousness faster. I believe it is. It will. But we're going to go through a lot more crap ahead of time. <laughs> Sometimes it, gets, it has to get worse to get better. 100%. Yeah. Great. Right. <laughs> Any more questions? No, I think we have, we always have two questions. I don't know, Jack, did you have anything else you wanted to ask or we can move on to our final two questions? Um, well, I just kind of like to say, I, I really appreciate, um, of course, Anthony, you coming on today. And yeah. your wealth of information, and we probably could have kept talking till, till midnight or for five <laughs> yeah. more hours if we really I had the time. To. <laughs> and um, and I, I just want people to understand how how genuine and how great of a person you are, and, and uh, that they should really look into the information that you put out, and they should try to learn just like you do, reading these books, doing all these different things, because we appreciate it all the time. But yeah. um, someone that lives it like you do, I think people should take it as um as an example, and I think it's just so very important. So thank you so much, man. And I, I, and I appreciate you guys actually getting on the train too and helping your audience, your friends, your family, your community, because we're in this together. We really are in this together. And if we're going to transform the consciousness of human, humankind, we need to get on board with this uh, in using podcasts, and social media for, for a means to uh, light the fires of the un, unawakened. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. So we need to do that. So I appreciate what you guys are doing and it's an honor to be on the show with you guys. And, you know what? I'm going to tell your audience right now. I'm not better than anybody out there. I really not. Like, I'm not. I just, uh, I'm someone who just loves people and I want to serve people. And I love. And so my passion, my power, my purpose is coming out through what I do. That just needs to be expressed in your own unique way. Whatever your delivery system in this lifetime is, use it, breathe it. And then one of the things, my favorite quotes I like to say to people is this. When I, what drives me sometimes is when I'm down, I'll say, at the end of my life, when I meet my creator, whoever that creator is, I want to be able to look that creator in the face and say, I'm Anthony Cheem. I have no more gifts or talents left. I use them all. I have yeah. nothing left. I have nothing left to give. And I want to be able to each day live that way and go, you know, if I die by in the next 24 hours, I want to be able to go, you know what? I, I, I did do that. I felt like I did that with the 41 years I've been on this planet. And um, I want to live that daily, every single day. So thank you for this opportunity. Of course. Amazing. All right. And so, with that, go ahead, Namish. You got yeah, it. Yeah, I was just going <laughs> to – we have two questions that sure. we ask everybody on the podcast. The first one is, what are a couple of books that have changed your mindset completely? Outlook yeah. Out? Oh, there's so many. Oh, man, that's <laughs> a good question. The first one that comes to mind is Left to Tell by Immaculate Illibigiza. Uh, it, it literally transformed me. Like, he was a woman who was in the Rwandan genocide – one million Rwandans were murdered in a period of 90 days. Uh, think about if you put it this this way. I don't know what the population of Chicago is about 10 million, right? Six Chicago, million, yeah, six million, yeah, but, like that. Okay, so let's say 10% of the imagine three in three months, 10% of your population is wiped out. Like 
<laughs> and we're not talking by guns. We're talking about machetes and just brutal, like worst case scenario, like 1 million people were murdered in that time. And she was stuck in a bathroom, like a six by six foot bathroom for three, for three months with seven other women. And they were all trying to find her. And she was like in the most terrifying situation you could possibly imagine. A lot of her families were, were executed in that conflict too. And she comes out with nothing but love and forgiveness at the end of that book. But the, but she it, it literally, I probably read that book about five times. I've heard her speak a few times and on interviews. Um, but that's definitely one book um, that I would uh, recommend. And the other one book actually is very similar to that book, uh, Man's Search for Meaning by Victor Frankl. I've heard that that's one. A, that's a classic. That, I tell you, I, I tell everybody, if you want to read two books that are really trend, and they're not success books, but what they are are literally they, they get to, they pull the heart and soul strings and they'll go, wow, these people suffer through the worst possible scenarios on the planet that we could ever imagine. And they not just survived, thrived in that environment and came out so much more loving so much more purposeful so much more patient and compassionate and if they can do that in those environments whatever i'm going through i can i can pull or or, or draw something from it too as well awesome and then the final question we have sure. is that if you could go back and talk to your high school self give one piece <laughs> of advice what would it be that's a good one that's a good one um be gentle. Be gentle on yourself. Don't beat yourself up. Um, you're going to make mistakes. Love yourself so you can actually be a greater instrument of love for everybody else. So that's what I would say. <laughs> awesome. You're well, very welcome. Anthony, uh, once again, thank you for coming on. Uh, I'll kind of give you a second if you'd like to plug anything or tell people where they can kind of get in contact or where they can find you. Um, yeah. yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I, um, I'm on all platforms. Um, I haven't been doing my podcast so much because I, right now I'm actually helping. Um, I'm pretty busy with my business, helping a lot of people that are suffering through this COVID, um, going through some serious, a lot of their traumas are coming out or a lot of their behavioral patterns, negative patterns are actually multiplying as a result. So I'm, I'm, my focus is not on the social media aspect right now. It's actually helping people, families one-on-one -on -one cope with these, uh, these things and, um, getting down in the trenches of things. But if you want to look me up on Facebook or Instagram, I also have a podcast called Pat the Power, Purpose, and Passion podcast on Apple podcast on um, all these other platforms. And uh, I've written a few books as well. U 2.0 and ABCs of life. Um, and um, yeah, I got a Ted talk out there as well. And if you want to reach out to me, email me at Anthony at Anthony team.com. Uh, and I'd love to hear from you. And it's a pleasure to help your audience and God bless you on your journey to continue to upgrade and evolution, live it up with power, purpose, and passion. <laughs> All right. That's it for today's episode of the 5am hustle podcast. As always, peace. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I appreciate it more than you can possibly imagine. The one thing that I ask from you is that you, if you've received any sort of value or learned anything from this episode, please share it with at least one friend. Follow the number 5am hustle podcast on Instagram and Facebook. Our Twitter handle is 5amhustle. If you have any questions or feedback, DM me or email me at 5amhustlepodcast at gmail.com. As always, go in the day.